Hello, uh, I'm Yael Schweigel. And I'm Raz Shuti. And welcome to Tech Point Charlie. Episode 2. Yeah. Good morning to us. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, it's a lovely day outside again. It looks like it is uh, every time we record. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be probably the thing we need to figure out. To actually go outside. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, maybe we, we can record this and then go out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyhow, so uh, as uh, last episode, we talked about something uh, super interesting. We talked about user stories and tickets and basically why... In a nutshell, everyone should write them. If you're interested in more about that, you can check out our first episode. Um, but today I thought maybe we'll talk about something kind of similar and controversial as well, which is refactoring. So last around, episode, yeah. every time he talked about user stories, he deferred to me to, to give my perspective before. So I'm going to do this to you now. I want you, if you can, reflect to me, from your experience working with developers, what do you think refactoring is? Well, I got to tell you, now being uh, in the industry for a few years, maybe I'm, I'm smarter than I was before, but maybe I'll actually uh, refer to some stories that I had along the years. Yes. Please. Because I think that's the most common situation that people encounter. Uh, so in all the companies that I worked for, we, you know, you focus on user stories and tasks and things to be uh, created or newly created. Um But in between those conversations, and sometimes not even in grooming sessions, there are a lot of things that are um, not sneaked in, but kind of like happening in between things, and people call it refactoring. So it's like uh, the conversations that you hear are from developers to one another, usually, when they say, yeah, we need to rebuild this, yeah, this is messy, yeah, this is old, we need to refactor this, we need to refactor this, and it always sounds like such a high priority. So in bullet points, for from junior Yael experience, yeah. refactoring used to be, and again, this is your perspective of what... Um, oh, a few years ago, maybe. Yeah, and, and it's not your perspective also. It's basically reflecting what came from your planning sessions. Refactoring is maintenance, and refactoring is rebuilding something, and refactoring is something people bring into the planning session. Not even. Like, it used to be something that happens just right after, or that you kind of look at the board or hear the conversations and you see that people are doing something mm -hmm. that is not maybe a main task or doesn't have immediate value or is not explained. Uh, and they say, yeah, we needed to refactor that. That's old. Um, okay. So it was quite general. Later on, yeah, I've realized there are like different types of, of these things and which you will talk about, uh, I'm guessing, maybe to clarify this a little bit. Maybe. But basically what you would hear is, yeah, we need to refactor this. We need to refactor that. Yeah. So maybe just to kind of... Um... Because we're using a language here, and I think the problem is that we're all using the, the same words, but we mean different things. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's why it's important to kind of clarify what we're saying. And everything you just described, none of it qualifies as refactoring. Which is problematic, because for me as, a, as an engineering manager, when I hear refactoring, I hear, okay, I, I, I hear something, it tells me a story. And if for you, it tells you a different story, and for the engineer, it tells a different story, then maybe we shouldn't use it, or maybe we should clarify what yeah. it means. So what is this, refactoring? This is exactly where those fictions happen, and this is why I said, you know, today I'm wiser, but yeah, it happens often. Yeah, and it makes sense. So kind of mentioning a book, kind of because I think anyone's talking about refactoring, 
this is the OG, and OG means original gangster. For those who don't know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just never Slight use abbreviation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for myself, but also I'm yeah. not gonna use abbreviations without clarifying them. Uh, so original gangster of refactoring book is refactoring improving the design of existing code by Martin Fowler, and Kent Beck was a contributor. Just to quickly talk about those two lovely people, um, you might heard their names already. If you are following the Agile Manifesto, for example, both of them are actually, they signed their name on the Agile Manifesto. They were part of those people. They were one of how many? Was it four? No, there were, I think, 12. I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, honestly, um, I'm not sure. I, I, I know that there were more than, definitely yeah. more than four because Uncle Bob Martin was there and some, some really good engineers were there, but also that guy with the story mapping, I forgot his name, the oh, guy yeah, with yeah. the user stories uh, as yeah, part yeah. of it. So there, I think I'm around maybe 8 to 12. Well, anyway, yeah, to the point. So you yeah. say it's Never it, mind, those yeah. two people are... So yeah, Martin Fowler and, uh, is basically uh, wrote the book about refactoring. Who are they? They're both software engineers and they uh, both were big contributors to Extreme Programming, which was a precursor to Agile, by the way. It was Agile only focused on the development side of things. So mm-hmm. they looked at how can we improve the cycle of a development project, release Shorter so without releases. the contributors around it. Yes, without the contributors around it. Extreme programming in 1995 is the main part of the program, like the development stuff in Agile today. Right. So, and they brought that topic in. Um, I think Kent Beck was the actual one that created it, and, and Martin Fowler was the, the contributor to that, which is funny. They switched the roles. Mm-hmm. But the entire idea of extreme programming, and I'm not going to go into details more to that. I'm going to share a wiki page to anyone who wants to read about extreme programming in the comments on our page. The idea is... You do shorter cycles, you have more eyes, and you develop in, in smaller increments. Mm-hmm. You do unit testing for everything you can, and you basically write the exact thing that you need, and you never over-engineer. Why is it important? Why am I telling you this yeah, history me. lesson? This is what the concept of refactoring is missing right now, or like this is the misunderstanding. It, it came from the idea that we need to do this thing, that's the MVP. Right? Yeah, whatever, like a feature. We have this feature, yeah. you, you know, make it. We agreed on, on what it should be, what it should, uh, what results it should yield. So, yeah. Yeah, basically also what it. it shouldn't be, right? Yeah. The, the, the idea behind MVP is we want to reach the market quickly. It's, yeah. And what is an MVP, Al? Minimal viable uh, product, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Just so if anyone doesn't know. Yeah. Okay, so we, have a, we are working on an MVP. And the idea is if we follow this agile methods or extreme programming methods, we create exactly the solution that the MVP needs, right? Mm-hmm. And we might, during that time of development, decide to cut corners. We might decide that we're not going to make the perfect solution because we might throw this entire code to the trash. Yeah, yeah it's kind of interesting that you say that because you, usually from the development side, I hear ex- the exact opposite. You know, we want to make it, build it perfectly and want to make it to the dot so it's perfectly scalable. But I think... Yeah, we don't have to get into this now, but we both agree that sometimes when it's uh, the feature is uh, you're not sure, and in most times you're not really sure of what it uh, what the results of this could be because we're gambling a lot. Like, uh, of course, it's educated gambling, you know, but it's still. Um, as, so yeah, so it's really important that when you create an MVP, it's something that if it doesn't succeed, you did not put uh, put too much effort yeah. uh, effort into it. Yeah. So I claim that those decisions. Um, that developers are taking, the tech debt that they're taking, they're saying, I'm cutting corners now, and later we'll fix it. That's not refactoring when you go to fix it. And it's not just me. 
it's Martin Fowler and Ken Beck. Well, maybe just explain a bit in more detail. What do you mean by cut corners and the technical sure. debt? Like just so we have the clear sure. picture. So when I create an MVP, for example, I create the solution, the exact solution that needs to be needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I might not write 100% unit tests or even 70% unit tests. I'm just going to test what's important mm-hmm. because there's a good chance that I'm going to take this entire code and throw it to the trash later. And I'm not going to even think about how to how this thing would scale. If we're targeting a group that we know that we don't have scaling problems, then I'm just going to deliver something that doesn't scale and maybe fix it later. Yeah, like if it's an experiment that is limited to a yeah. amount of people or if you know that your audience is like, maximum of 1000 users to this then if it caters to the you know the the most common uh yeah issue or behavior it's fine exactly so basically once we have delivered an mvp and then people actually use it and we see oh okay this is scaling then we go and fix that we we do the maintenance work Mm -hmm. we actually make it work so now i said what's not refactoring let me kind of explain what refactoring is and I'll use an example first and then build the rule. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that when you go into this, it's not only a misunderstanding in between our roles, but it sounds like that even within the, the role of uh, engineers, yes, it's, it's also misunderstood a lot. So if you can also clarify those when you explain, that would be wonderful. Yes, the thing is, and this is not coming just from uh, just me telling, hey, there is a misunderstanding between you product and me engineer. Yeah. It comes from discussions I've had with my engineering team. Which is great to hear, by the way, yeah. <laughs> that it's um, not just one-sided. Yeah, no. Um, even currently, I work at Wikimedia. I think we can name at least the place we work for well, because... you can find it on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, our LinkedIn is already there. So I work at Wikimedia Germany. And what happened recently is we had a lot of discussions. What's, what are we factoring? And it's not a discussion that we've had only with product people. It's a discussion we're still having with the engineers about mm-hmm. the language. Let's, let me start with an example then. An example is simple. Me, as an engineer, I'm, I'm taking a user story. Your user story defines a feature MVP, mm-hmm. Right. I work on that feature MVP and I deliver exactly that feature. Yeah, right? so a user does X and the backend does this and the frontend does this. So yes. we can get to whatever. And let's say that for UEL, now this feature is successful. Yeah. What would you like then to happen to this feature? We'll open a bottle of champagne, but <laughs> after that, <laughs> because it's yeah not often that you can actually see clearly what affected what, but yeah. So yeah. after that, um, basically we go back to the table to talk about how it should be expanded, you know, what needs more support, do we need more tracking, do we need more, like, to adjust the behaviors, either front or back end, so we can, like, have this grow and make it more sustainable, more uh, uh, stable. Would you say that now that I'm going to work on the coming story that you just written, I need to take new factors into account? Well, <laughs> that's kind of like a rhetorical question at this point, I guess. I'll continue a bit then with my example, okay? Okay. Let's say we have... An MVP. MVP succeeded. Now we need to have continue working on the MVP. Mm-hmm. There are new things to take into account. Mm-hmm. There are new features that we want to build on top of it. There are new factors to be taken in that the feature never had before. That's what I'm trying to say. That's refactoring. Refactoring is taking new factors into account with a new ticket. Refactoring is not something we do for the sake of refactoring. Refactoring is when we work on a product and it has product value or business value, and we take new factors and we implement them. It means that we might change the entire structure of our code because when we wrote it initially, we didn't take those factors into account, and now when we write the new features, we need new factors in. We might, it might mean that we need to have a new database, for example, because 
Again, I love this, that example. It's easy. We now added search to an MVP that didn't have search. Mm-hmm. We never built it with elastic search in the background, and we want to have fuzzy search integrated. For example, so our next feature would be, oh, the way that we wrote it currently, we do kind of search on our SQL, but we now we need to take the search part and move it into someplace else. Mm-hmm. We need to take this new factor, reshape our code to make it happen. So refactoring is not something that developer would do for the sake of de- for cleaning up. That's a different story. Refactoring is there's a business value and a product value, and to achieve that, I'm changing and reshaping my code. So you kind of are saying that refactoring should be only done when it's a necessity. Yeah, refactoring is only done... Well, refactoring is always necessary. Let's not even say only done when it's a necessity. Anytime there is a new product, technically, there might be some refactoring needed. So basically, refactoring is something you do on the go. It's something that you take into a ticket and... We don't talk about that as a, we need to plan for it. It's something that we, when we take a new ticket, we need to basically say, part of what I need to do when I write the code is to make this code work for the new requirements I got from the product person mm-hmm. or the business or whatever we discussed in the team. Well, it's interesting that you say it's not, nothing, <clears throat> sorry, it's nothing that should be discussed because um, there is a lot of discussion around it, sometimes like hidden discussions or like uh, informal discussions and Maybe this comes to the point of, uh, yeah, you say what refactoring is. So it's something that you might find out when you go into the code and you make those changes that you have new things that you found out that have to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are those things that don't necessarily have to be done, but are usually like um, addressed as refactoring those? Uh, I-, I can actually tell you a really funny story. Go ahead. Uh, it wasn't funny at the time, but it's funny <laughs> now um, that... Um, yeah, so they were, there were all these conversations that were happening outside of grooming sessions. And then I said, all right, just you know, make the list of what you think needs refactoring. Bring it to a meeting and let's talk about it like, or make a meeting for that. And I had like, in front of me a list of like 40 things. And some, were the, some of them were huge, some of them were small. Some, and uh, what they a lot had in common uh, is that uh, most of them were like basically cleaning up saying, uh, okay, this part of the application is written in a way that we're not proud of or that is a bit messy. There were a lot of corners that were cut in the past. We would like to see it, you know, beautifully written. And I think, um, yeah, this happens a lot when you, uh, when people look at things and have this uh, idyllic point of view or not thinking from a product perspective. And I don't mean my perspective. I mean our product perspective. Yeah. Like what we're trying to do as a company where are we trying to get to? Because if you don't see that end goal, usually you just think within your role and you're like, you know, learning from the best practices that I have. I yeah. want to see this beautiful code written in this way. My code and, is my pride. Yes, my code is my pride yeah. or my user stories are my pride. And honestly, uh, at the end of the day, in the real world, all that those things are, well, it's our podcast, so I, I can say like they're shit. It's lot, it doesn't mean anything, not really if you don't get to the to the end goal. Yeah. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And everything you mentioned now, that's not refactoring. And that's what I'm trying to sell. I'm trying to sell here is refactoring is something done on the go. It's done because it has business or product value. And it's it's reshaping the, the product that you're working on to actually achieve what you needed to achieve now. Mm-hmm. You can do refactoring also to learn. What do I mean by that? Let's say that you, there is a piece of code that you 
that you're working on and you don't understand the code because it's written in a bad way. Mm-hmm. So you... Because you cut corners to get to the goal yeah, or whatever. But it's not because the code is ugly because you're trying to write a new product or to add something to the product and you don't understand what the code is doing. Mm. You change the names, you restructure the code and you restructure the code also to achieve what you need. So that's a good refactoring. Everything you described now, it's more maintenance. It's maintenance or technical debt or a little bit of vanity. And, and that's, that's a discussion that engineers need to remember. Your code is not your pride. And I, I will also give a shout out to one of my engineers currently started recently at Wikidata who has a really great article and I'm going to link it and, uh, and mm-hmm. also... Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny. When you were saying that, I was, I was thinking some people that are listening are going to be like, no, what the, what the hell? You know, I'm like unsubscribing to this. Like, what is he talking Go about? Go ahead. <laughs> But before you unsubscribe, listen up. So just listen to this. He wrote an article called, I am a product developer. And he yeah, points out exactly, exactly those type of things where we all work in a product team. We all work for product. And our code is not our pride. We should basically say that our product is our pride. And right. If, and not if the have, person, the actual thing. Yeah, I'm not talking about the product manager yeah. here. I'm talking about our product, like our, our deliverable. Yeah. And this is really cool. And this is, that changes everything. Because if you have a piece of code that you're not proud of, But no one is really using that thing or it doesn't break anything or it doesn't even cause problems. Live with it. Yeah. Live with it. If it's not a ball of mud that is like corrupt, that you go in there and every time it breaks everything, that has a business value to, to discuss. This is something you can sell in a planning mm-hmm. meeting or, or generally. Like if I go, come to you and I say, our core, whatever, API is written in such a messy way that every time we add a new endpoint, we break all the rest. Yeah. And I can give you explanation to why it's terrible. Then we can bring it up into, the, into our sprint or iteration or whatever, Kanban, like pull it in, however you're working, yeah. never mind. But you know what, what, is it, what it's not? It's not refactoring. It's... Yeah, but to me, it, this is super valuable. And I've had those cases where when we can actually clarify what this is or why it has to be rebuilt, let's call it like that, or reorganized or enhanced or whatever, change the framework it's written in, uh, and it has value in a long term, then I have no problem. It's like a, such a smart investment. And yeah. it's sometimes even its own ticket, you know, to spend some time and do this before we do something else because it's just laying the groundwork or like, uh, yeah, just kind of... I wouldn't say cleaning up, but to strengthen the foundations is yeah. what I, the word I'm looking for. Yeah, and, and this is, again, it's very important. And I'm going to quote Martin Fowler here with a, a great quote that every developer or engineer, uh, software craftsman, they need to remember. And I'm quoting now. You don't decide to refactor. You refactor because you want to do something else, and refactoring helps you do that other thing. Mm-hmm. This is taking new factors into account. And what you're talking about, this large, large-scale refactoring or rewrite, yeah. that's not refactoring. You know, it, it, this is actually maintenance work. Let's say we wrote our APIs and we cut corners, right? Like, that's the example we kind of discussed here. And now I'm telling you, our APIs are a ball of mud. Like, it's, it's, um, it's a poisonous area. And every time one of the developers touch it, they break everything else. 
they break or it's a rabbit hole that never yes. ends. And then we can discuss, okay, how, how are we going to do that? And then we negotiate the time and why it's important. And we discuss this as a team, as a unit, because mm -hmm. if no one is using that API specifically, it's not that important. If every time, if we know that a lot of things are coming to the API and we want to increase the velocity of the development in time, then it's probably, it's worthwhile actually fixing it. None of it is refactoring. This is all maintenance. Right. Or it's even changing our API. And I would even say, like, if you even rewrite the API, like the, the core of the API, and you replace basically most of the API, it's still considered as maintenance. Let's give an example of that's, that's super easy, and you can find also in a book called Goost, which is growing uh, uh, object-oriented yeah, software like it, I guess. driven by tests. Where And I, I kind of I heard about it relatively recently. I read a book, I think, like last week I finished it. And the, part, like the, the examples there are gardening, not construction. Mm. So if you need to basically remove some parts of your garden and you change it, you're doing maintenance to your garden. So let's say you have this mint um, plant. plant yeah. yeah, And it's going wild. So you just trim it a bit. And if you have like a dying tree, like a lemon tree that's dying and you know that it's going to poison the rest of the things next to it, you change it. That's maintenance work. And yeah, that's something sometimes you, you have to do. take the whole tree out and change the soil and yeah. make sure that things are like but laid correctly there and then either put it back or have another one. Exactly. But you're never, 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 ever going to just say, I'm going to nuke my entire garden and rewrite it completely. Yeah, or just replace that yes. tree or like right. kill it for no reason. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's also a shout out for like culturalist developers that actually mentioned this book and mm -hmm. I adore it. Um, that's a great book. Yeah, so coming back to the example I told you about before, like the, the list of like 40 things there, mm -hmm. I looked at it and I said, well, first it's, it's lacking, I guess, a lot of information because uh, it was basically a list and everyone in the room like, knew the pain of each item on that list but i said well first i'm lacking like the understanding of um the size of things because you know sometimes it's a change of class and sometimes it's a completely new uh, like api or like something that's much much bigger and at the end of the day i said well uh, first how old is this which was a while i said right refresh it because maybe the pain point is something something you carry either like a physical list or in your mind you're like ah we should do this we should do this you know it happens in life in general but also uh, in our work so you kind of carry it with you but um i said all right first like please freshen it up so we see where the pain points are and then when we looked at it again uh, i said all right from these uh, whatever 10 things now it's clear that three of those are things that we would touch soon because we need to mm -hmm. exactly because we have goals or or behaviors that need to be adjusted or uh, things we wanted to invest in. And um, it's actually beautiful because uh, the company I work for now, we had a let's just an area. I'm not going to like mention which, but maybe it's a privacy thing. No. Uh, we had an area that since I joined, we couldn't like test around it uh, because we couldn't change the design, the design like of an input field. It was like crazy uh, hard. And that's something that if, if you don't know much about like software development, it's something that should take like two minutes, <laughs> like literally not a problem. And it was quite clear that every time we tried to touch that area, it was just impossible. It took us days. And, and at that point, the developers came to me and said, you know what, maybe this needs refactoring, which at this point we're saying like, not refactoring. It's not refactoring, yeah. not for the sake of just making it new or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I said, you know what, we are going to touch that area sometime soon. So 
I, I wish we wouldn't touch it now, but when we actually have a new goal for it or, or a new design or a specific test, before we make that, we would be aware that there is an extra step to be done before, which is to rewrite it or makes it, make it flexible. And now, actually at this point, we are doing this and it is taking a while, but we're doing it with um, the right approach because we know what we're trying to get. And it's not only one goal that we have in mind, but also the accumulated conversations we've had. So we're trying to make something that is new, also change the design. And also I, I added it to this, you know, um, extra task to say, please write it in a way that is so flexible that I can then affect on what have an effect on one component or like test every fucking thing that I want, like <laughs> whether it's an input field or a design or uh, a change in flow or how the backend responds to something, just make it like really, really nice. So we do it once you clear the clutter and then you can touch it again. And it's not that uh, costly and we're actually doing it now. And now when we have this goal in mind, it's, it's the perfect timing. Yeah. And that's perfect. That's the thing again. And, so and what, what is this to you then? Like which part would be refactoring, which part would be like, you know, uh, how do you call it? Like the maintenance part. So yeah, basically that's, that's the big deal. Right. And, and if, for example, let's use examples because it's easier and I use less words a bit, but yeah, let's make it up. Okay. So in that example, for example, that topic, is going to be worked on and it's going to come from product and people can actually deliver what product wants while working and making the minor changes that they need without just taking the entire tree out of the garden, right? So let's say, for example, now you say, okay, we need to move this input button to the right. And I tell you, okay, but I'm going to kind of clean up the code only for that input button. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing it implicitly and I'm doing it continuously and I'm not removing the entire mechanism, but I'm saying I'm fixing that specific thing while touching what I'm touching. That's refactoring. Would you say this is something that has an effect on an estimation of how much? Definitely. Yeah. How, how would you communicate this Anytime. Then? So when you're doing estimation, right? Like I'm assuming if you've done it in a way that you have a scale or you at least you have some rules to the scale, right? Like if you, I don't know, at least Wikimedia, we know that if we touch a specific area, this thing automatically gets like the extra level up. Mm -hmm. And people put that in mind as well and they communicate that. The entire estimation concept is communication, right? Yeah, to say yeah, how much effort that is yeah. and basically why. Like, it's so a we... tomato to you, it's a potato to me, let's discuss why. Yeah. Right? And then for you, it's a tomato because something, for me, it's a potato because it's a ball of mud that's disgusting. When and... you say tomato and potato, you mean like size wise? Yes. -wise, yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. No, I mean like jokingly. I don't, yeah, yeah. we don't use tomato and potato. I just mean it's not, we, when you say something and I say something that's, it's not that, right? Mm -hmm. That's the estimation point. Like if you use t shirt sizes, animals apparently, or uh, numbers, the, what's important is if someone says one thing and there's a discrepancy between one person and the other, then we communicate and then everyone can listen. Exactly. So when you say a tomato and I say an elephant, we need to discuss. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the thing. So if we discuss and you say, remember, it's a ball of mud. It's a terrible thing that we do there and every time we need to do it, there is a refactoring needed done there. So, and then we do it. Refactoring is something we do. If I touch a component and I need to achieve something, I refactor it to do that better next time. So basically taking into account or raising a flag saying, look, now there is a reason to touch this. Yeah. If we touch this, I can either do it in a way that just works and it would have some effort around it because it's a ball of mud, 
or I can actually fix it. I basically say opportunity. I'm refactoring the code that I'm touching. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm, I, I don't even need to explicitly say that. Every time I'm touching a piece of code and I have new factors to take into account, for example, we know that this thing is going to be used and I'm going to use this input button to the right or the left. And I know that the way that it's written now, I can't move it to the right or the left without breaking the entire form. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fix that input button that if I can move it to the right and the left, it will not break the entire form. Mm-hmm. And that's implicit. That happens on the go. And then I just... The only thing I need to take into account here is, okay, now I can move this input button right and the left, and the form remains this terrible mess that it is. Right, but not that part. But not that part. But, you know, maybe because um, the example of why do it is now, at least to me, very clear, but there is also, like, a lot of conversations happening about, like, let's take that button for, for an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Which instances are usually considered refactoring, but they are not. And in that sense, maybe it's a message to the engineers to say, this is not that. You don't need to do that work. Because you say, if I take care of this button component, and if I, if I don't refactor this, then everything would break every time I touch it. Which other examples do we have like of code looking pretty? and you Code know, looking pretty is not refactoring. Yeah. Um, I get if you need the code to be more readable, mm-hmm. so you will be more, you will achieve velocity, development velocity, mm-hmm. and you don't understand what the code is doing, so it's really difficult for you, the developer, the reader of the code, to deliver the product. Yeah, then to yes, work with it. Exactly. You need to clean it up. That's refactoring. So that's a good reason. Yes, that's to a do good it. reason to clean up your code. Okay. If you are. Just take if you take pride in your code and what you want to do is have this shiny, spiffy, clean GitHub repo where mm-hmm. everything is written in the most beautiful way, the following things will happen. One is you'll waste your time where there's no business need or value. Two, you, there is a, it's an endless loop of refactoring for the sake of refactoring. It's not even refactoring, but it's just like writing something for the sake of writing it. Yeah, this is the rabbit hole I'm talking about. And like, it's oh, never going to end. It's mm-hmm. never going to end because every time you introduce change, your software as well, the structure is also immutable. Mm-hmm. Like, the structure today is the structure of today, and the structure of tomorrow, it will be the structure of tomorrow. So you're not emerging anymore. You're not reacting to change. You're just, like, saying, oh, we have this new thing. We need to reshape our entire software to fit something that came new instead yeah. of, like, saying, this is where we started. We built it because those are the reasons, and then the software emerged to somewhere else. And you can see the emergence in the different structure of the classes. But mm-hmm. if some of them are not important or relevant to change, they were written in a way, that's great. So don't make this type of thing. And I think the last thing that I want to say about taking your code as your pride, and this is being, again, shout out to that engineer joining mm-hmm. us. If you're a product team, what you really want to do is not miss the market. You want to deliver your product so the user would enjoy it. Yeah, and this is changing so fast. Yes. So if you're going to write the perfect code, then you will miss the market by the market and you will deliver you'll deliver the beautiful, like the most shiny, amazing code ever that people could read and say, this is the best thing ever, but no one will use your product because you've missed the market. So it's too, it would be too late, basically. It's, yes, you're always too late. And oh, too late or even not too late, but like bad timing. Which yeah. is not always, yeah, and, it's and a different thing. It's, it's really difficult for engineers, I think, and for product nowadays, because back in the day, like Waterfall, it was a structure, right? Yeah. It was, you could do those things, and you can plan, and you deliver, and you miss the market, but no one really, like, that's what Waterfall kind of gave with, in the 
era of software as a service as SaaS. Yeah, and it was a bit more predictable, at least in terms of like time. I was like more like months and not like minutes. <laughs> exactly, but now it's it's really difficult. So you kind of need to make sacrifices when you write your code mm-hmm. because you want to. Your goal is to make your users happy, not to make your um, right. GitHub account spiffy clean. Yeah. And if you want to make your users happy, then you need to push for something that is not a perfect solution. And by saying that, I even feel awkward because it is a perfect solution. You created the perfect solution for the requirements you've had. You didn't over-engineer it. You didn't under-engineer it. You just basically said, this is exactly what I need and I'll figure it out later, which is yeah. giving a gift to the users or customers or whatever, because you're telling them, hey, I put my pride on a back burner now and I'm giving you that my real pride, which is yeah. letting you use the product now, faster. In the real world. In the where, real where world you can now. Actually yes, now. Be you can be proud of the results of what you have created and other people enjoy and use it yeah. or, or it's more simple to actually touch. Yeah, it's, it's I guess we what we're saying is like, this should be the main pride. Yes. Because this is the actual work. And uh, I guess when you're uh, a junior in your role or you just start going into that world and I can see the look on your face, like you know this problem. I do too. You, It's more about like, doing something by the book and making uh, like you get your pride or your approval from doing things like uh, yeah by the book like to make sure you've used the right method the you've de- you've done the right ceremonies within scrum no the point is always the communication and to deliver and to make sure that users get what they need and are happy about it and this is what what uh, we're all working for yeah. and while you were talking it kind of you were talking about the garden to me, uh, since uh, like I have uh, another topic in my mind in my life right now, but it's um, like about bringing order and cleaning up and stuff like that. Marie Kondo, if people like, uh, know it. So it's very interesting to me and especially like the way things are described. And it's kind of like if you have this, whatever, 10 rooms. Yeah. And it's uh, I would say, you know, go and figure out and make sure that those three things that we're touching are usable are the living room where you use it every day or the entrance hall where everyone passes by, um, but not that cupboard in the basement yep. that you don't even have a key for. <laughs> because if you go and you organize that, like, who cares? It's not what you're saying in the book, but it's like, it's my words. It's it's kind of like cleaning up some code just to have it clean. If yep. you go into into the basement and clear out everything there and then you lock it and you throw away the key to the seat, no one cares. And when we looked at that list together with the developers, uh, I said, do you even know what needs to be done there? And it looked like that they just carried that list because they wanted things to be perfect because that's the what they used to take pride in. Yeah. But no longer because now when they think about, you know, if it's not in the market, if it's not in the hands of user, it doesn't matter if it's front end or back end. Like, but if it's not being used, why touch it? You don't know what even the trouble is. Why refactor it? Why maintain yeah. it? Maybe it's something we can completely shut off and just avoid maintenance, you ah. know, and save some time. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually have a nice story, uh, and I'll tell it because um, I was the one um, with taking pride in finding a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, at the company I worked for, we had, some, we had a, a really great software, and we had a problem with one specific... We, we used microservices and one specific service... It was always we kind of restarting, and we started having like zombie processes running. And I what are zombie processes? Zombie processes are basically like a process running, but it's not doing what the the service is supposed to do. It's just basically that tells the computer, oh, this thing is running, but it does nothing. It's basically dead inside. 
You're talking about software, not software, like, software. Okay, not process between yes. people. Okay. No, no, no. I mean like software processes. So mm-hmm. we had this process that I wrote um, together with a team member, and it was always crashing for some reason. We always had those zombie processes, and then we had a lot of processes always reopening, and it used to just kill the machine in the end. And for two weeks, I was trying to figure out how to solve it. And I knew that there is a hack. And the hack is kill the process. Just like the easiest solution. It's like whenever the yeah, process is dying. Yeah, I would say hack, it sounds like the solution. No, it, yeah, but thing. like the, the idea as well. The solution yeah. of the thing is like, why is it dying? I need to find it. I need to find, to, like to make sure that it's not going to kill it. Like it's not going to die internally. Mm-hmm. But I could actually figure out, oh, the process is dead. I'm going to created another thing that kills it and then it just responds again because we had all those ah, safeguards so basically by just killing the process i fixed the problem because mm-hmm. we used such a great structure we had event bus so even the data didn't die if a process took something and didn't finish it then the new process that started responded and then did the same thing so no harm done i could have just basically said say every day nuke all the processes i have mm-hmm. and they will respawn so it will just restart again and there will not be zombie processes. And like we, we saw that actually it took more than a week or two to, be, to start having zombie processes. So it's probably memory leaks. We never really figured out, but we wasted maybe a month to try and find the root cause. And in mm-hmm. the end, we solved it by like saying, let's just kill the processes with like, like a, just basically a scheduled task every day. And we never had any problem it's ever It's like a since. simple restart basically. Yeah, a simple restart. Yeah. It's exactly what like, it was. Like, restart your computer before you spend, like, a month trying to figure out why something is not working because it might be just be yeah. a silly bug and it doesn't really matter because if you restart and it works, then why yeah, invest and the time in this? But this is exactly where, like, oh, no, oh, the challenge. Yes, you the know, challenge and, and, and all we had to... I have to know. No, you don't. You have to keep yeah, your eyes focused you have on to. the prize. And, and we had that from our product owner that came to us and said, he basically said, okay, you're doing this for such a long time. Isn't there an easier way to fix it? Because our users are suffering. They're suffering for the last month that you're trying to figure it out. I said, oh, I can just restart them manually so they will not feel that pain. <laughs> but then we'll figure it out. I said, can't you just restart them manually every day? I said, well, that's going to be annoying. And then he said, can't you just restart them automatically every day? Yes, I can. Will that be a problem? No. Mm-hmm. Will that yeah. be a problem to use? Will they feel that? No. Will that cause data loss or any problem? No. He said, well, you found your solution now. Yeah. And I was like... Simple as that. You're absolutely right. Like, I shouldn't have went into that rabbit mm-hmm. hole. I should because I took my code as my pride at that, back then. And you feel so important, right? Going to yeah. work with this huge challenge, like finishing a two-week or a month, whatever. And you're like, oh, I managed to solve this, but like... Yeah, by the way, looking at it from like a business perspective or even for like for you, the engineers, like if you'd spend like two weeks on this, it could have been two weeks that you had spent uh, like reading or trying out something cool, by the way, yeah. or just redoing something else that is completely important and making it your pride, like doing in that process, or at least not losing like a bunch of time, you know, like a team working on a problem that is not an actual problem Definitely. like for the entire company it's salaries it's like it's time it's yeah so yeah yeah M- maybe even go and enjoy a day in the sun <laughs> yeah go and which have coffee, uh, maybe we should do yeah, I think definitely. we're done here, right? Like, we've said what we had to say. Yeah, definitely. If you have any questions about this, because I know our examples 
might have been vague or we used a lot of terminology, but I think, uh, yeah, we got definitely the point across of this is a lot about communication and also prioritizing or maybe understanding what refactoring is or what it isn't, especially. Especially what it isn't, yeah. 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 And I think we, we left the tech debt conversation maybe for a later episode, I guess. Yeah, I we guess it's something. We should probably talk about how to handle tech debt. And... Yeah. There are various ways, by the way. Like, I've used several methods. Yeah. Several companies. Maybe it's worth to dig into this. But yeah, I don't think, we a, I don't think yeah. we actually talked about that ever. So it could be really nice to just open the mics and yeah. start... I don't know, I tell you what we're doing, you tell me what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, okay. well, stay tuned. Yeah, leave comments about anything or topics that you actually want us to talk about. Yeah, and see you next time. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye.